When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Today, joining me, she is a host at Her Hoops Basketball and an intern at Canada Basketball. So excited to have her here. Uh, it's Karina Mustafa. How you doing? Hey, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Um, so glad to have you here. You're really one of the rising stars in uh, basketball journalism these days. You're doing it. I can't even remember the last time I did an internship. What is this internship like for you? It's very busy. I'm officially like a month into it. And it honestly feels I was telling my supervisor today, I was like, it honestly feels like I've been here for half a year already. Oh it's, it's just been so, so busy. Like the first week, I like hung out with the senior women's national team, did a bunch of interviews with them, went to their practices because they had a training camp in Toronto. That was pretty much how it started out. And I've just been doing like a lot of writing, a lot of social media. They have their Olympic qualifying tournament coming up very, very soon. So just a lot of uh, a lot of work leading into that as well. That's incredible that they just kind of like threw you in um, like the day you started. But I guess you were already doing stuff before um, this latest internship. So I feel like you were already kind of established before a month ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. So and it's been really cool so far. So I like it a lot. Do you um what's your favorite part about being able to like interview players? I just love being able to talk to them face to face. Like obviously, you know, you and I have both been covering the W specifically mm -hmm. too for a while and have done stuff over Zoom, have attended like Zoom pressers, things like that. But you know, we also covered the WNBA game in person last yes. year in Toronto and like you can already tell how much more special of an experience it is to be able to talk to players face-to-face. -face. You catch all these things that you kind of miss over like a Zoom call or a phone call. Um, like I was talking with Natalie Achanwa and she's like telling me about her baby and like things that she's Aww. learning. And it just feels like a very regular conversation as opposed to just like a little bit of a barrier that you get with like virtual stuff. And that's kind of what I like. Like I really want to be able to tell, you know, stories in women's basketball and basketball. And it's just so much easier to do when you're having like a human conversation with someone. Yeah, that's so cool. I um I got to do um this thing with Bleacher Report when uh the WNBA draft was released and it was with uh Jewel Lloyd and I was so nervous. And it was on Zoom, but it was like I was talking to her for like a full hour to hour and a half, which is like a long time with a player <laughs> and just a long time with someone you barely know. And I was just like literally when it was done i was like oh my god i'm like sweating like i was like sweating i was no, dude, so I, nervous it's so true it's so valid like i'll never forget the first time i ever like asked a question to britney griner in like mm. a press call like it was for the last olympics my heart was beating so fast i asked my question she was great and then i got out of there and i was just like I'm literally about to have a panic attack. You know? Like that was so 
intimidating, but it's like so awesome too. So I don't know. I just love it. Maybe we're sickos for that. No, I think, well, we are basketball sickos and that's fine. And, you know, shout out to everyone who uh, listens and tunes into this podcast, because I'm sure you are as well. Uh, I don't expect anything less from our listeners, Uh, but we're going to jump into some NBA topics this week. And uh, one of the bigger news stories this week is this whole like 65 game rule when it comes to award season and or being all NBA selected. So this was like a new thing that the NBA put into place this year was that players have to play a minimum of 65 games in order to qualify for MVP, All-NBA, et cetera, et cetera. And it's becoming a new story now because Embiid is injured and he can only miss, I think it's like four to five games now uh, before he suddenly does not qualify for MVP. And based on the way he has been playing when he's healthy, he's been, I would certainly a front runner. And uh, Tyrese Halliburton has also spoken out about this because he feels like he's been playing at an all NBA level, but he's injured his hamstring. He tried to come back. Uh, It did not work out. So now he's sitting out again and he's worried that he might miss out on this all NBA selection. Uh, which also has financial implications to it as well as just, you know, the accolade itself. So Karina, like, how do you feel about this new rule that the NBA has implemented? Do you feel like this, uh, you know, grievance that's been raised is, is valid or do you think maybe not? I think when this rule was first announced and released, I was very strongly against it because I think with everything that comes with basketball, it's so relative to every situation. You cannot really predict what is going to happen in in a season and injuries specifically are extremely hard to kind of navigate. I think, you know, and I'm coming at this from like a university student perspective, like when I'm writing essays for a class and I have a word count that I have to hit and I have, let's say a minimum 1500 word paper. Mm -hmm. What my professors do is they give me some leeway. So they'll either be like, you can have 50 words less or 50 words more. Sometimes it'll be a hundred, 10%, whatever. I feel like if they implemented a like a certain rule like that, that was kind of similar into this. So like, yes, make it 65 games, but give or take like, 10 games to allow players to be like okay i have an extra 10 games ahead of that 65 in case something like an injury like something that you cannot control Mm -hmm. um kind of impacts your ability to play like it's something different if players just want to all of a sudden be like i just want to do load management i just want to sit out just because i want to rest like I don't agree with that part, but if it is something like an injury, like what Embiid is going through, what Tyrese Halliburton is going through, I think like implementing a threshold like that would maybe lessen up the rule like that little bit, because another issue too is like every MVP candidate is like relative to their team situation and context. Like how do you define MVP in the first place? I feel like this just opens up Mm -hmm, so many mm -hmm. questions about the award itself. What does MVP mean to you? Does it mean the best player on the team or does it mean if the player is not playing your team collapses like there's so many different factors that come into defining what mvp is and then you add in but they have to play a minimum 65 games but what if the games that Embiid is out the 76ers just look terrible right Mm -hmm, and then it's mm -hmm. like well now he's not eligible anymore and it just gets a little bit murky so i think it makes sense i can understand where they come from with that rule by wanting players to play because if there are 
guys that are injured or kind of out for a super, super long time, it doesn't really make sense for them to be in the MVP conversation because their players will, their, will have had to play without them for a much longer time. But like, it's just kind of hard when you're hovering around and now all of a sudden Embiid is going, well, I can only really be out for four or five more games. And he's the historical player that he is, you know? So it's just mm-hmm. really tough. I think, I don't know if it's the answer, but at least coming it from my perspective, I would maybe like think about implementing that kind of threshold and rules can change. They change all the time. So it's mm-hmm. not like we're going to be stuck in this minimum 65 game thing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the all NBA side, I think it might be even worse for them because of the money implications. I feel like that feels a little bit harsh. Um, and I can totally understand where Tyrese Halliburton's, you know, coming from, like he's literally an all-star starter this year. Yeah. Like, he is playing, he has been unbelievable. So I think maybe they should look to even softening it up a little bit more on that side. Yeah. I mean, you make a lot of great points. First of all, thank you for letting us know that you're not just padding your essays first and foremost, <laughs> <laughs> that your essay content is through and through, even if it's 50 words less. Uh, appreciate that. No, but for real, like I, um, I agree. Like I do feel like all of this was implemented because you know, the league felt like the whole load management thing was going too far. And it's possible that this in maybe in hindsight has become a bit of an overcorrection, right? Because now these injured players who are playing at, you know, extremely elite levels are kind of possibly being unfairly punished. I've always felt like, you know, ever since, you know, a few years ago when Clay Thompson missed out on like a max deal or super max because he wasn't selected all NBA, that I was like, the financial implications that are tied to this don't feel right to me. And the fact that it's like the media that primarily votes and the media really doesn't have anything to do with a player's salary just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just don't understand that correlation. And I just don't think, you know, even as members of the media, I don't think we should have that level of power. Um, so, right, because like, shouldn't the teams yeah. be the one that is like measuring like which players are valuable to them and not, like yeah. yeah, yeah, like we should have nothing to do with that. <laughs> I mean, we can have opinions about it, right? Yeah. But like, we shouldn't have an, a real say in a player's salary. Like that just feels a bit much to me. Um, so yeah, I, I I definitely agree with Tyrese Halliburton from that perspective. I do think like you're right. The the MVP, the definition of what it means to be an MVP of a season, always, you know, it's such a narrative driven uh award. I feel like people kind of uh, emotionally latch on to different things. If that makes sense, um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like men do not associate their feelings towards sports as emotional, but it is, and it's, <laughs> and that's fine. This is a safe space, but you know, I, I just feel like it, it's an emotionally narrative-driven award. There was a lot of backlash towards Embiid winning last year. He's having an even better season this year, and you know, it would kind of, it would be weird if he wasn't able to remain in the conversation. I do think there is something like on the flip side, there is something to be said that if you're going to win an MVP, you should play, you know, you shouldn't miss 20% of the season, right? Which is what the 65 game sort of threshold is. But I don't know, like, I just feel like I don't want to punish players for being injured. Um, and it just like I said earlier just feels like a load management overcorrection to me yeah um yeah and that's why I think like having some kind of like threshold there 
could potentially alleviate some of that while being like kind of a happy balance with wanting your players to play like as much as they can in order to qualify for those awards. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. last year he won, he only had 50 something games played. Yeah, like he was under, like he would not have, like if that rule had been last season, then he would not have been able to win it. And like it yeah. also is gets kind of tricky when you think about players' legacies. And the more you get into the future, a lot of people tend to judge players based on their accolades and what they have acquired. So imagine like you're in the future and you're like, oh, well, Embiid only had like this many MVPs and Jokic mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. this many MVPs. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like well he didn't but he didn't qualify that year because of this but he still had like an incredible season so i think that's another thing that people may not be like taking into consideration or not people but like you know the the league in making this yeah no it's true because especially when it comes to players that we haven't seen play in our lifetime like this is why i always kind of hate like goat conversations because it's like i never saw kareem abdul jabbar play you know what i mean and if i did like maybe i'd feel differently about his impact on the game right it's just it was just a completely different generation and a completely different era in time that i don't relate to but that doesn't that shouldn't reflect negatively on his greatness yeah you know what i mean and like i feel like that's the whole like jordan lebron thing gets wrapped up in that and who knows what that will you know who that will be in the future and people will start to like try to erase lebron's legacy because they never watched him play and yeah, it gets it gets murky. I agree. It's already happening a little bit with LeBron, honestly. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, and then he kind of does that to himself. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about LeBron in a minute. Um, okay, All Stars starters were announced, and I need to pull up a list here. Give me one second. Um, the reserves are being announced later tonight um do you Krina, feel like there are certain people that have to have to have to be on this team like they cannot miss being the reserves well i'll say one because i feel like we've been talking about him all season long for various reasons but uh jalen brunson um, Mm -hmm. of the new york knicks uh whether he's been in the news cycle for good or bad reasons whether it's uh women's basketball analysts uh kind of What's the right word? Maybe uh, crapping on him a little bit, but not Wait, actually I missed crapping what, on him. What did he say? I missed that. Okay, it's just like, it's really tough because they weren't shading him, but both Candace Parker and Becky Hammond went on to Oh, about his height. Not about his height, about the fact that like, oh yeah, yeah, well yeah, I guess about his height. That like you can't win championships with like smaller players as like your star player and then it just became this whole thing with like people attacking Candace and Becky and questioning their basketball knowledge, which like <laughs> seriously. Um, but I think all of that aside, like he is still having an impressive season. Um, obviously had a really good year last year too. I think he is somebody that has to be on this list. Um, I know you were asking me about like whether any of the starters should be replaced. Honestly, like looking at this list, um, we have like Giannis and Bead. Uh, Tatum, Tyrese, Damian Lillard in the Eastern Conference. I think maybe out of those five, like you look at Damian Lillard maybe as being somebody that could be replaced by somebody if Mm -hmm. you had to make an argument. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe Brunson slots in there instead, but I can't say I have like too many um, quips with like this list. And I also have to give a shout out to our Canadian, Shea Gilgis-Alexander for Mm -hmm. making it as an all-star starter 
over i think maybe was a little bit controversial for some people because steph curry didn't make it as a starter yeah but yeah honestly like the season that he's having he's been in the top five for like mvp talks this entire season he had an amazing year last year he's just on the rise um i know i'm biased now because i work for canada basketball <laughs> <laughs> but like i have to i have to just give him his props um he's been putting up insane numbers he's been really really important for the oklahoma city thunder who are exciting they've been they've been on that like precipice of like could be a very exciting playoff team and they feel like they're finally getting there um especially with you know chet being healthy and all of that so have to give a shout out to shay making it as a starter. yeah I i'm super happy for shay and like i am i mean i am a warriors biased but i have to agree that shay shay has really earned it and you know, the di I mean, Steph has been playing really great this season, too, but like Shea's team's winning. So you can't really punish him for that. You know what I mean? It was like one of those rare things where you're like, wow, like the fans kind of got it right on that one in a way that you don't typically expect. I also feel like, man, like if I were LeBron or Steph at this point, I'd be like, for the love of God, let me go to the beach. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think one more or one less all-star appearance is going to make or break their legacy at this point yeah you know i what feel I mean? like also like if lebron and lebron specifically if he wants to go to the beach then maybe he should like if i were lebron i'd be <laughs> like i am respectfully retiring from nba all-star weekend maybe that's uh, what his emoji is about <laughs> yeah maybe that maybe that is his emoji you know it's like please let me sit in my cryogenic chamber <laughs> for five days so i can play in the playoffs like for the love of god like i can't imagine i mean there's no way he's gonna say that and i mean and he is a competitor so i'm sure he does want a player he wants to be like the player to have the most all-star appearances or whatever 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 but like i, I would be like please let me rest it's hard point. to because like he's still like playing pretty well so it's just like what like it's not like you can like try to push him out or like try to sub him like he's still he's playing super you a, well he is yeah, an like, all -star. He's giving you a reason to choose him so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i would just be like fans please stop <laughs> voting for me the coach maybe that's a, maybe that's an snl sketch like honestly like if he hosted snl that would be the sketch that i would write for lebron oh my God. just like a psa begging fans to stop voting for him into the all-star game lebron on snl would be a movie <laughs> right i think he'd be brilliant i think he'd be really good we should have more like nba and wnba players on snl what is this, this is actually a great idea i would love yeah. to see them they i feel like like 20 years ago like like Barkley would was on and like Derek Jeter was on and like those were kind of like classic episodes back then and like yeah they haven't done a ton of that maybe Tom Brady's been on I don't remember but yeah Petition we need for more Sydney Colson to go on SNL of the Las Vegas Aces she yes. is just like the funniest person in the league um and she would it's like absolutely suited to her type of comedy so like yeah I know it's a little bit of a tangent but no 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 and, and for people who don't know like Sydney Colson like she really is a character I I with that being said I feel like she is specifically one character <laughs> I can't imagine her have acting. You, have you seen though her new show with Teresa Plaisance? Um, no, they have like this like sketch comedy show that they do, and she's been a. I would say it's like a good warm up for SNL. I don't know. Okay, no, I trust you. I trust no. you.
Um, okay, I love that. I've gone on a tangent now. Um, <laughs> I agree. Jalen Brunson absolutely has to be on the all-star team. And the other thing I find confusing is like, where are these New York Knicks fans? You know what I mean? Like New York is supposed to be this big market, one of the biggest markets in the whole league, you know, massive population for a North American city, blah, blah, blah. And they don't vote this guy into the starting lineup. They're very loud on Twitter, though. I will say that, especially towards Candace and Becky. Yeah, they were loud towards them, but they weren't loud enough to like actually place a vote. Yeah, they and didn't back on, it up. And that's on them. And I just find that ridiculous. Even a year ago, they they voted in Julius Randle. They were voting for Julius Randle over Brunson last year. I was like, what are these Knicks fans on? Like, maybe they're just like they're just too rich. And then, like, they asked their assistants to do it for them. And then their assistants were just like, I'm not doing that. Like, mm. I don't care. You're not going to know. And I'm not doing that. That is actually, like, that is low-key, like, part of it. Because New York is just so wealthy. It's kind of beyond. But, yeah. that I, I just think it's ridiculous that the fans didn't vote him in. And uh, I do think he'll get the reserve. I do think Curry will be in as a reserve as well. Um, you know, curious to see who else is going to squeak through. I don't you think, know. You think Scotty could make it? I feel like that's a big question. It's been, it's been a big question since like even before the season started, I feel like. And now that the direction yeah. is very clearly for the Raptors, like build around Scotty. I'm very interested to see if he somehow could make it. As a I would player. love to see him make it. I'm not holding my breath. Like, I'm not super hopeful, but I mean, it would be awesome. Mm -hmm. But I also just think, like, you know, the Raptors, like, the record does not help them. And maybe the, like, I don't think we've ever had an all-star with a losing record. Oh, that's a good thing to look up. I don't that know if we have. Because Fred uh, and Pascal are our last ones, right? Yeah, and we had winning records with yeah. them. With Vince Carter, we might have been 500 possibly uh chris bosh possibly oh, don't, don't say that name <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah otherwise like i don't think we have a history of having um uh, all-stars with losing records i even with demar Derozan, i think we were over 500 when he was making the all-star team yeah. with uh with with the Raptors, I could be wrong, but that's just my guess. I just feel like the odds of that are very, very low. Um, but we'll see. That would be wonderful. And really, it doesn't, like us pop up when I search it, but I, yeah, we would have to do some like deep, digging. some deep sleuthing. Well, if check anybody, the record for each year, <laughs> if, if anyone does some deep sleuthing, uh, let us know uh, in the comments. Very, very curious about that. I just thought about it now as we were talking about it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the odds are high. Um, but I would love for him to be there. I mean, he's someone who doesn't necessarily need a, a beach vacation. I feel like he's ready to go. He could be uh, an injury replacement potentially. So that's you know, true, especially if some of the starters are not good to go. By, yeah. So keep also. keep our eye out for that. That would be a, a neat way for him to make it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, hold on, I have to cough. I'm sorry, everybody. <coughs> All right, we're back. Uh, I might ask uh, our buddy Daniel to edit that out for me. Okay. Um, since my last episode, you know, last week we talked about Embiid uh, 
scoring 70 points. And then after that, Luca went off for 73. And everybody's been freaking out. Um, DeMar DeRozan said that he thinks we'll see someone score 100 points this season. Um, I was watching Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce's podcast, and they were talking about somebody hitting 100 and how they also think that that is a realistic possibility now. Um, you know, obviously, we haven't seen that since Will Chamberlain. Uh, Karina, do you think this is in the cards? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> 73 points is an incredible feat yeah. i can't even begin to wrap my head around that many points thinking of adding another 27 on top of that mm -hmm. to me is a little crazy and maybe i mean who am i to like argue against like actual basketball players who know the league better than i do but this season, at least, I it's very hard for me to see somebody hitting a hundred. I think, like, like I said, like, like we've talked about earlier, everything is relative to each situation. <laughs> so, like, a lot of these players that have scored seventy points have lost the game that they were playing in, and mm. so, like, mm -hmm. with the defenses that are still in the NBA, I just I cannot. I know offense, the offense in the NBA is like hitting like new records and has been absolutely crazy, but like. To me, it's still a stretch. Um, I would love for somebody to prove me wrong. Like, that would be mm -hmm. crazy to just watch happen for the second time in NBA history for to hit 100 mm -hmm. points. But I'm going to have to go with, no, I don't think that's going to happen this season. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I think the, the tough thing is that when these guys go off for this amount of points, it's usually against a bad team. Uh, who is simply unmotivated to play defense. And in addition to that, it's like, because they're not a competitive team, you're not getting into overtime or double overtime or triple overtime to give you the extra minutes that you would need to get to 100. So to have this combination of like, we just flat out refuse to play defense tonight but we are going to be offensively strong enough to be competitive against a guy who's about to score 100 points like that combination of things happening at once feels like not realistic even if they tried it at like all-star weekend i still don't think it's possible like it's they don't take it too, too many enough. egos like how there's, like there's no who, defense but like the offense isn't nearly as serious in like a regular game so like it can't even happen in that setting <laughs> yeah 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 it, it, it's just i mean you never know you never know but i just feel like it, it, it just i can't picture it i just can't picture it because of all the combinations of factors like i said I mean, could we some see somebody going over 80? Could we see someone passing Kobe Bryant's record? Yes, that I think is in play, um, which would be incredible. Um, but I just, getting to 100, I just feel like too many things have to break in a certain way. Um, and it would be magical. I mean, I like even like when that Luka game was happening, I turned off the Raptors game. To, to watch Luca because I was like, okay, this is just not as interesting and this is historic. So I want to watch this. Um, and he maybe could have had more than 73 in that fourth quarter. He didn't have quite as many, but 
uh, it should be about winning the game again, like to have a hundred points and then lose. Yeah, because then also like there might be a little bit of an asterisk too, because then all of a sudden you're like, oh well, let's just feed this guy, and then is the other team gonna be like, oh, we want him to hit a hundred, so let's just let him get all the shots up. That's also yeah. like, another thing to consider. Like, imagine if Devin Booker was like, guys, listen up. Also, he would be the one. He would be the one to do it. <laughs> That's why I in picked world, him. That's why I in picked a world him. where this is even remotely possible, I just, I don't know why is he would be the one to do it. Yeah. I mean, he's had multiple 60 plus point games, um, which is a feat in and of itself. Like, there's so many players who have only reached that threshold maybe once in their whole career or not even. But yeah, I just feel like imagine he's like in a locker, you know, he's in the locker room and he's like, guys, let me score 100 <laughs> points. And if I get to 100 points, I will give all of you a $100,000 bonus. Is that considered, though, like betting? <laughs> or like, no, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> For sacrificing your own stats for one game, <laughs> so I can hit a hundred. Could you imagine a world? Oh my god, I would. I would might have to quit sport media. Did I just write a second SNL sketch? Oh, where it's yeah. just that <laughs> it's that locker room conversation. I would, yeah. Look um, at us writing SNL skits in one show. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, it's it's cool that, like, everybody's getting really excited about the idea that this could happen and, like, multiple 70-point games in a season is incredible. Um, and there's definitely, like, an offensive surge that's happening. But, you know, I think we're still a bit away from 100, but still fun to talk about. Um, okay, we've hinted at it all episode. It is time to get into LeBron's cryptic tweet. LeBron sent a tweet out to the universe of wow, an hourglass <laughs> emoji. <laughs> Are you LeBron, making fun of me for being dramatic? No, I'm making fun of you saying LeBron sent out a tweet. Like, yeah, no kidding. He's yeah, oh my God. And, I, and I'm not even calling it an X or whatever the fuck yet. Like, I'm oh, not yeah. even doing that. No, um, not. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate your validation to someone much younger than me. Um, <laughs> you know, he tweeted an hourglass emoji and, you know, it set the NBA world ablaze. You know, ESPN was like, thank you, Lord, for this talking point. Um, maybe he gets a bonus for that. I have no idea. Um, do you think he's sending a message? Do you think he's just messing with people? Do you think he's trying to instill fear into his coaching staff, into his front office? It, what do you think this is all about? So let me tell you a little bit something about LeBron. <laughs> I have him muted on Twitter because, and I'm sorry that any LeBron fans who are listening to this, this is not a slight against him as a person, as a player, nothing. I just cannot take all the cryptic tweets. So the fact that I know about this hourglass tweet <laughs> tells you just how much this has infiltrated the news cycle. Yeah. Um, do I think that like LeBron needs to tweet to like scare the front office or coaches or anybody? No, I think he's just LeBron. He has a lot of power uh, in the NBA. He has a lot of power with whatever team he's with in the first place. 
And we've seen that happen in the past. I mean, we were calling him what, like, Le GM for, like, how many years? Because he's yeah. just, like, assembling all the pieces, including that monstrosity of a Cavs team that one year where he, like, brought a, a lot of people back and together and nobody knew what was happening. But um, I don't know. I think the Lakers are just not very good right now. He's probably not very happy with where they're at right now. I know there's been some tension with their head coach as well, too. So I think... Honestly, like this just boils down to LeBron wanting to tweet like the rest of us. Like he probably just loves a subtweet. It could honestly also just be messing with us. It could probably be about anything. Maybe He's he was just, he maybe just he was waiting to... for his Taco Bell dinner order <laughs> for Taco Tuesdays because we know he loves Taco Tuesdays. Like it could have been something as simple as that, and we wouldn't know. Um, so I just think it's hilarious. I also, as even though I have him muted, I do love chaos and I do love mess. So um if it is a subtweet, then I think it's hilarious. Could you I imagine that it's a subtweet to his like Uber Eats or like DoorDash delivery person? <laughs> like that is what you were suggesting. Another SNL skit. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just and I know there's been some talk of like whether LeBron is even going to stay with the Lakers anymore and all of that. I think. I think we all know or like have a hint that like he's staying as long as like he can play with his son in the NBA for I think at this right. point that might be one of his goals so I'm not sure if another goal of his is that he wants to win another championship with a team obviously he has done that with the Lakers already in that bubble season which was the weirdest season of all time but mm. um I just I think he's at the point and I kind of think about it when like Serena Williams was on the last kind of leg of her career, you know, in tennis. If you don't know the name Serena Williams, then what are you doing? But um, <laughs> she was kind of in the same boat where like she won her last Grand Slam ever of her career in 2017 and didn't retire until 2022. And she was still at a, playing at a good level, but obviously not where she was before. And I kind of place them in the same category where you have two very legendary players in their sport kind of at the tail end of their careers are still playing at a very good level, but you just don't know if the highest point can happen for them again. And that's not mm. their fault. That's not anybody's fault. That's just how the way things go. Um, father time has caught up with LeBron and it's also mm. just kind of like the situation of the NBA in general, like the teams that are, it feels like there are more bad teams than good teams this year in the NBA. And you feels like you have like your very clear teams that are like above the rest, like the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets, who are still very much a great team. And I think it's just a tough situation to be in. He can continue to subtweet all he wants. He'll get people his attention. I will just sit here and observe the mess and see what happens. Mm -hmm. um that was brilliant and uh yeah i don't have him muted but i don't follow him per se <laughs> um yeah you know like i just feel like it is i'm sure he just wants to mess with people and he just enjoys that and if people become intimidated by it then maybe even better as far as he's concerned he probably even feels like strongly about the situation and that could all that that just could be it like that yeah he's just expressing himself which is totally fine um, yeah i i mean is it because i just feel like, <laughs> i feel like, like, like eh. if he is legit trying to send a real message this way this is a very immature way to do it uh for someone of his stature um, so I hope it's not 
real in that sense. Um, okay, we'll, we'll stick with the taco theory then. <laughs> yeah, the taco theory is a better look for him. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, he is a 38, 39-year-old man. Yeah, he turned 39, right? Yeah, he's 39 years old. So it's like to to subtweet pe- your coworkers with an hourglass emoji at 39 just feels like a bit much to me. Yes, he just turned 39. Yeah. He just searched up his age. Yeah. So it's just that's kind of a lot. Um, you're like, I, I just, I don't know. I, and then the way everybody goes on and on and on about it and is like, does nobody see how kind of lame this is? <laughs> That that's that's kind of NBA players for you though, to be honest. They do a lot of that <laughs> and they're very dramatic. So that's true. And I feel like LeBron's always looking for some kind of like inspiration, like he's looking for somebody to like rile him up. Um, which I can't believe that would even still work at his age. Anyways, I'm just exhausted watching him, is what I'm saying. Like, I just don't even know how he does it. I don't know how. It's time to mute him. <laughs> it's time to mute him. And it's time. You know what? He needs a beach vacation. I'm going to stand I, by that. No, legit. I have had him muted for like over two years now because I just can't. I'm sorry, but I just can't. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Listen, all more power to you. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment here. Um, I want to talk about the latest in the kind of trade rumors that are always seen, you know, still circling this team, particularly around Bruce Brown. Uh, people are saying that it is seemingly inevitable that he will be traded by the deadline, uh, which makes sense. I mean, it felt like that from the moment we got him in the Siakam trade that that would be the case. Although he seems like a, a perfectly nice guy and he seems like a very solid player and stuff like that just from a timeline perspective uh isn't the best fit uh he's 27 i believe and uh i wanted to ask you like or have you been looking around the league and thinking like who or what type of asset should we try and get for a bruce brown I think the Raptors are in a little bit of a tough, tough position right now. Um, I think a lot of what people have already said, like they waited kind of long to, to end up going through with the Pascal and the OG stuff. And I think obviously losing Fred for nothing last year was also tough on the team. And they're kind of in a point right now where they finally chosen a direction and that is built around Scotty, but it is a very uncomfortable direction because it's kind of just like a, they kind of suck a little bit and they got a lot of, they got some nice pieces um, with all these moves that just happened. But I think that the way that they move, I don't know what they would get in return for Bruce Brown right now. That would actually be conducive to like their success this season or just like in the meantime. Um, I think their best bet probably is to continue to try to build towards the future, whether that's like, maybe taking on some more salary stuff that could end up helping them get like draft picks in the future or something Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't know. I just think it's tough right now. Like I think I don't remember what their record is, but they are very much below 500 and it's just a little bit tough to watch. It's not much they can, like I honestly just don't think that there's much that they can do right now. Um, 
and you still want to develop Scotty. You still want to develop some pieces around him. But I think this is just going to be something that takes a little bit of patience and a little bit of time. And maybe they just have to be in the mud for a little bit, much like, you know, the early 2000s that, you know, when the Raptors were in that that state, too. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just M it's mid 2000s. Yeah, mid 2000s. Mid 2000s. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, the Raptors are uh, 17 and 30 right now, uh, 12th in the East. Um, only the Hornets, Wizards, and Pistons, uh, have worse records than us in the East, but, uh, but there's a huge, uh, there's a huge, uh, gap between them. We are, we're like seven games ahead. Um, yeah, look, I agree. I think we kind of sealed our fate for what it is this season. Um, it feels like a play for draft picks, uh, at this point. I agree. Um, because a lot of like a lot of teams don't want to trade their young talent away, right? Like that was like you know like a few weeks ago. And when why we were, would they honestly? And why would they? Like yeah. when we were having all those like Pascal rumors and people were talking about like Jonathan Kaminga and stuff like that, and it's like teams don't trade away young talent like that. Like that is so rare, and it's usually like a DeAndre Ayton, and it's more of a personality conflict situation than it is just a pure talent situation so yeah i, I don't see that happening yeah, I, actually, I mean like just the fact sorry not to like cut no, you up but like just please. the fact that they got rj and iq from the knicks was huge like huge. that is like literally one of the biggest things they've done in the last like year and a half two years so yeah. i don't know like i think stuff like that is good and it's just gonna like i said just gonna continue to have a little bit more yeah patience. and even in that deal right like like OG is still in his 20s and then Precious Achua is still young and so is Malachi Flynn. So it was like they still got young players in return. Poor Malachi. Poor Malachi. And they're calling him evil uh, DiVincenzo. Evil Dante, yeah. Evil oh, Dante. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I'm like, if anything, Dante's the evil one, just based off of like vibes. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe that's just my Raptors bias, my Malachi bias. No, probably, but not in a bad way. It's like, like when you're a kid and you move to a new school, and then all of a sudden, your whole like who you are and your whole social dynamic changes. It's rough. That's yeah. rough. But anyway, they did get some young players in return, at least, um, who they felt had some promise. So, and Precious, I think, is doing well right now. He's filling in. I was, I was so, I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I was very emotional when all of this stuff was happening. Mm. Um, just like when OG got traded first, uh, I was actually visiting my boyfriend and I, I found out through him. I didn't even have my phone on me. He was like, OG just got traded. And I looked at him and I was like, you're lying i don't believe you <laughs> because why would like the raptors haven't done anything like that in such a yeah. long time so i was like i was actually like in denial i was in a state of shock that was like i cannot believe this is happening right now um and then fast forward fast forward fast forward the pascal stuff felt a little bit more like anticlimactic and a little bit less like shocking because you know og was the first step in the grief um uh, but mm, mm. it was just like i don't know it just it really feels like the end of an era and it's like kind of sad to be honest it is it is sad i actually i went to this um sports museum yesterday called my Zeum shout out and they're doing like an exhibit on like the history of like toronto sports 
And uh, it was a very cool event. Uh, glad I got to go. And they had this TV and it was just re-airing like highlights from the finals. And, you know, apologies to these presenters, but they were talking and trying to show us some exhibits. But my eyes were on the TV. <laughs> my eyes were just fully on that TV. I couldn't look away. Can you believe that's five years ago now? Yeah, it's so rough. Well, like, I felt like I used to be really good with like years and like keeping track of time. And then the pandemic happened and I feel yep. like I lost a lot of that. I'm yeah. sure I'm not alone in that, but yeah, no, it, it doesn't. It, right. it, it, and, and even like when we're talking about the Lakers and being like, oh yeah, they won in that bubble like four years four ago. Four years ago. <laughs> it's like, oh. how was that four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's so weird because it's like, it, it, it's definitely an end of an era for the Raptors, but it's kind of an end of an era for a lot of the league. And I feel like that's what the league is going through right now, right? Like with the Warriors and with the Lakers. And even though they, we had that amazing uh, double overtime game, uh, which was awesome for anybody who caught that. Oh, my God. Like I was watching that in real time and it was wild. But like, it, you know, it's like these stars aren't necessarily like, you know, they're not the favorites to win anymore. And yeah, it is just, it is a new era now. And it's, it, it, and that's always kind of a weird feeling. Like as someone who's watched basketball for a long time, like, like I remember, well, I was, I used to be a huge Kobe fan. And when Kobe was kind of at the end of his career, I was like, man, like, is basketball going to be the same for me? And then I was watching the playoffs and then I fell in love with OKC, like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm back. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah. like, I love this team. So you kind of find, like, your new favorites again. And then, I mean, as I get older, it'll be weird because I look and I'm like, man, these guys are, like, children. <laughs> I'm finally I'm finally at the age now where the guys coming in are officially younger than me. So. Right. Yeah. I'm, to get there. <laughs> I'm at the age now where, like, I'm one of the oldest people in the league. But <laughs> But that's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, I used to have a crush on Nick Nurse, and it is what it is. And we've moved on. <laughs> we moved on. I never claimed to have good taste in men, and it is what it is, Karina. <laughs> Another SNL skit. <laughs> we're at three or four right now. Oh my yeah, god. I gotta I gotta pitch all of these. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going on uh many tangents here. Um, because you're a basketball expert, I wanted to ask you about something I'm absolutely not an expert on. And if you're not either on this particular subject, that is perfectly fine. You know, we're talking about different moves for this team, we're talking about this new era, and one thing I haven't really addressed yet is the salary cap. And you know, do you think this team could be making moves just to potentially free up salary cap space? Do you think that we could be trying to sign anybody in the offseason? Do you think that's a focus for us or a concern for us at all? Honestly, I and I'm not going to pretend to be the biggest salary cap and money girl because I absolutely am not. Um, I have like the most basic knowledge based off what I learned in school and what I have learned from like reading Blake Murphy spreadsheets from over the years. And mm -hmm. all that well, stuff. shout out to Blake. Yeah. Shout out to Blake always. But um, I think honestly with Toronto and we kind of hinted at it. The way that they sign players, the way that they make moves, they've never really 
been in like money danger or like been the type Mm -hmm. to be like over and kind of worried about that and it's not like they make any like huge moves that like this would really really affect them Mm -hmm. so i i wouldn't be too worried that this is gonna affect them that much um unless they decide they want to wake up and like make some like crazy moves they have players that they could clear some space with you know whether that's like Chris Boucher or you know other players yeah because uh yeah no sorry I didn't mean to to cut you off there I just you know like the article I was reading was talking about Boucher and like potentially you know moving off of certain players for the sake of they might as well do it at that point because he's the last player on that championship team that's still on the team so yeah like just cut the last cord it's fine pull it At this point, yeah. I mean, we can't just be holding on to Boucher. That's just too weird. You know, I mean, he probably played garbage time in that series or in that whole playoff run. Um, him and Jeremy Lin. Oh, my God. I forgot about <laughs> Jeremy Lin. Oh, wow. Today's just a walk down memory lane. That's crazy. Um, okay, I don't have this on our docket, but because we're talking about championship nostalgia, um, are you a statues person? Are you a Jersey retirement person? Everyone has a, has an opinion on that. I think on the statue side, Kyle Lowry should get a statue. Um, I think he deserves one. I think I tweeted one time. I found this like photoshopped picture of a Kyle Lowry statue and I tweeted it. And then I, it like literally went viral and people were in my re- replies. They were like, can you make it bigger? Why is it so small? I'm like, I literally did not make this, but <laughs> Thanks for thinking that I did. Um, I I don't even remember where I got the picture from, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I think like his statue would be immaculate. It would be a very nice gesture for everything that he did for the city. In terms of jerseys, like I would love it if the Raptors would start retiring jerseys from like players that were really special. Um, I know there's a lot of like talk about like Kawhi and just because he was like, one year with the Raptors like if his jersey should get retired or if he should get a statue I think something should be done because like even though he was only here for one year what he did in one year was literally historical we Uh won our Uh first championship and he was by far the most important player for the Raptors, the most important acquisition. Obviously, there was a lot of things that came into play like, you know, getting Marcus and who I know we're going to talk about too and um just like all the other players on that team, Pascal, Kyle, but Kawhi was really the driving force of that. And we would not have been there without him. And so I think his impact on the city extends so much more than just one year. Um, So I would like to see him, you know, commemorated in some way like that. Uh, Maybe a Jersey retirement, maybe not. I don't know. A lot of players have worn the number two in Raptors three, so like it's a little bit hard maybe they're hinting that they wouldn't do a jersey retirement but i wouldn't mind it if he got the statue and lowry got the jersey retirement i think that would be pretty cool um but yeah i love it i think it's really cool to honor i think derozan should also have a place in raptors history too like the jersey retired yeah yeah i think um didn't leave on the best of terms but i think what he did for putting the raptors kind of back on the map um you can't talk enough about it so yeah i would love to see it i'm all for it um i think it's a pretty special moment so yeah i i used to joke that like we either put statues up of everybody or nobody because <laughs> that's how i feel about the whole team 
Yeah. Like I love the whole team so much, but also how fun would that be? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and like not in one place, like scattered <laughs> across the city in yeah. different places. So you could be like, and a, then they should make us do like a scavenger hunt, like go yes, find statues. Yes. It would city. be like a scavenger hunt. It would be like Nuit Blanche, but all year round. Yeah. Okay. Like it would be like, you know, you're at Young and Shepherd or something, and suddenly, like, Norm Powell's there. You know <laughs> what I mean? And then you go to another part of the city, and someone else is there. And, like, people would try to collect photos with all of them. And yeah. me, that would be a lot of fun. I and agree. That's how you, that and that's how you fun. get around the whole, like, oh, Kawhi was only here for one year thing. Because then it's like, you just do it for everybody. Mm -hmm. I know that's stupid. Go. But also... It's like kind of campy and I feel like it just makes the city different. And also who cares? They're like, just have fun. It's with special it. too. Like it's Toronto, yeah. like with the only NBA team right now in the country. And so, I don't know. I think there's just an extra special history here. I know they like to say the Raptors are Canada's team, blah, blah, yeah. blah. No, they're Toronto's team. I'm sorry. The <laughs> NBA, the NBA will expand again one day and you're not going to be out here saying the Vancouver Grizzlies are canada's team because they're not they're they will be vancouver's team or montreal if they get an nba team yeah, yeah. saying they're yeah. canada's team so i get well, it but also well, shout out to our fans outside toronto uh <laughs> <laughs> if you wanna they hate me they hate me <laughs> you wanna like, is canada's team you do you <laughs> uh yeah no i i mean i am being silly with the statues thing but i'm also like let's just have fun with the way we celebrate this team like who cares um and also vince carter's jersey in the raptors yes. we're doing kyle and damar then we gotta have vince up there too and vince is like uh you know he he's a candidate now because he's retired yeah um i was gonna say enough time has passed now he's yeah a, yeah yeah a good choice yeah i dated a guy like two years ago who still hates vince carter but really that, that didn't last I wonder why. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, okay, it is time for our hottie highlight of the week. And we are giving it to Marcus All, uh, who officially retired from basketball this week. God, so much memory lane stuff this last whole month for us, really, uh, has been has been filled with that. So it kind of makes sense to sort of end January uh on that note. So I wanted to ask you, Karina, what is your favorite Marcus Saul moment from his time with the Raptors? I feel like this is so. I have two. Mm -hmm. The first one is super obvious. It is the parade. Oh, of course, chugging yeah. the wine like that. Mark Rose iconic. Yeah. <laughs> that is iconic. I is that I his statue? Is that his yes. statue? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that could absolutely be a statue. That is oh, so beyond God. iconic. Like I, I was in grade eleven when the Raptors won the championship. I stayed home from school to watch the parade. I didn't actually go to the parade downtown because I was like, crowds not for me. I'd rather be comfy at home watching on my couch. Good and for you. Watching all of that was just like he was gone. Norman Powell was like completely yonked on live TV. Like it yeah. was incredible content. Um, he was just like we got him halfway during the year and he just became so lovable became such an instrumental part of that championship run um which brings me to my second favorite moment is just him and Serge Ibaka when Nick Nurse finally decided to play them both 
Um, yeah. I think it was against the 76ers because the 76ers just had size in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Nick Nurse. I literally was like screaming. I was like, please put them both on the court. I know we've been subbing them out for each other, but like we need to see this happen. And when it finally did, it was glorious. There was, of mm. course, that game where he held Embiid to zero points. Just incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. What a legend. Um, mm-hmm. Props to you, Marcus. Those are my two favorite moments for sure. I love it. Those are really good picks. Obviously, the the wine chugging is number one. Um, there was a moment during the parade um, when they're all finally sitting on the stage and Gasol is sitting next to Justin Trudeau and he's so drunk. <laughs> he might be the drunkest person to ever have to sit next to a world leader. Wouldn't you be <laughs> chugging a whole bottle of wine? I don't know if anyone has ever been more drunk sitting next to a world leader in a formal setting. And the whole time I was like, is Marcus all going to puke next to the prime minister? <laughs> like the whole time I was like, Marcus all is this close. He is this close to puking in front of the prime minister of this country like that is so wild to me not that i'm like a trudeau whatever but i'm just saying like that's another snl skit that is (laughs) nobody i'm sorry guys that's the last one that's the last one yeah that's the last one that's the last one no but really like i can't recall ever seeing somebody so drunk next to any world leader ever um but that's canada that's canada that would have been so good Glad he didn't throw up, but that would have been so That would have been beyond iconic. Like, that would have gone viral across the world for people who don't even watch sports. Like, that would have, that would have, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's on Al Jazeera. Like, that, that's going all the way. Yeah. That's going all, all the way. Um, Yeah, incredible stuff. The one other, like, sort of basketball memory that I have is that, like, I remember Fred talking about how he always picks gasol to be on his team because he loved doing pick and rolls with him i don't know if you remember that like there was just this like weird thing where like fred was like yeah like marcus all's my favorite pick and roll guy to play with and then after i saw him say that i would notice it in games and i was like oh i love the chemistry between back, these back two. when the raptors would play pick and roll <laughs> yeah back when the raptors play pick and roll um anyway yeah, that was uh those are those are my picks. So shout out to Marcus All. Uh really happy he's getting his number retired with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um really glad to hear that. I love the Gasol brothers in general. I love Pow as well. Um, so yeah, very, very cool stuff. Uh, we should wrap it up there. Karina, thank you so much for joining me. Had so much fun with you today. Uh let our listeners know uh what you're up to and where they can find you on the internets yeah it was so much fun honestly this was awesome thanks so much for having me on you guys can find me on twitter at karina mm uh on instagram at karina mustafa i will be pumping out a ton of content with canada basketball over the next couple of weeks next couple of months as the canadian women's national team gets set to try to qualify for the olympics which should be pretty easy to do but we'll Mm -hmm. see if they can punch their ticket to paris 2024 very excited for that um so yeah Amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.